Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You look like yourself, but you're somebody else. Only it ain't on the surface. Well, you talk like yourself. No, I hear someone else. And now you're making me nervous. Again, fellow basement dwellers, it's your good pal Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Hoping everybody's staying safe out there, unless you're one of those numbskulls out there protesting because your freedoms are being taken away or something. Give me a break. Don't get sick. That's really what you should be doing. It'll be okay. The longer you stay in, the sooner you'll be able to go back outside. Anyway, we got another chock-full edition of Bandwagon Nerds. We're going to continue the video game project. We're into week two, where we're going to count down our numbers 40 to 31. The roundtable is here, so let's bring them all in right now. Welcome, fellas. We've got Dave Ungar, we've got DPP, and we've got PC Tunney. We don't have the Rick. Surprise! I know everybody's shocked, right? Stunned. Stunned. <laughs> Stunned. He the admi- who's the administrator of that Twitter feed? You're going to just take him out of there. Rick, if you're not on the show next week, you're out of the Twitter feed. <laughs> I think I've been on more shows than him now. 
Yes. I think so. It's getting pretty close. <laughs> Damn, Kenny's almost been on as many shows as Rick's been on. <laughs> so, fella, how, tell us, how's your week been going? Uh, same old, same old, nothing new. He is the administrator. We're fucked. Oh, Rick's the uh, administrator? We need to start. Never mind. We can't start. Well, okay. So let's let's go history lesson here. Let's let's be real. Rick kicked us off. Like when when this really started for three episodes, Rick was the man. Then three episodes happened, and, and Dave and Patrick became the man. <laughs> like he built everything. Yeah, we just have been running with the ball ever since. It was supposed to be all about educating Rick, like you said last week, Patrick, and that was what the right. You know, that's how the whole bandwagon nerds. I mean, there's very little bandwagonish about us four, um, which right. <laughs> is kind of the irony of the show title now. But yeah, it was supposed to be about educating Rick, and he, um, I guess, he got enough maybe. of an education and said, "That's yeah, that's maybe too after much. three episodes." It's a fucking high school <laughs> dropout, man. I thought I thought DP was going to say the same thing I was going to say. Is now the bandwagon part is we just bandwagon off whatever's popular at the time. Well, right, I guess so. That's true. And I mean, we are we are covering a we're a little past due, obviously, with uh, with Lock and Key and, and the Netflix series being um, where we are. We do have a lot to cover today, guys. We're going to cover um, a downer of a news uh, bite that became official, something that everybody was anticipating would probably happen, but was made official this week. We will talk about Lock and Key episode seven. Dave shared a really interesting article that I think is worth talking in regards to Netflix and Disney. We got some good to cover, and then we'll get back to it with our top 50 console games of all time. Like I mentioned at the intro, we're going to cover episodes number 40, numbers 40 through 31 uh, for this episode. So all, all these, you know, some great, great stuff. Maybe spend a little bit of time remembering one of our favorite wrestling icons as well. Um, but that's that's quite the show. And then I got a little announcement before we go at the end of the show. I'm kind of excited about. It. So, uh, yeah, that's that's what we got. And if there's if there's nothing else to it, if there's no other thoughts, then what do you say we just jump right in? We'll talk a little lock and key. Let's do it, man. With intro music. We have intro music, fellas. Thanks, Tony. Credit where credit is due. Way to go, PC Tony. He's, he's, he's in the middle of a swallow, so he can't even take the credit. He can't even bask in the glory. Uh, we're, know, like, Tony, we're like thanking him. Tony's been known to swallow, so, you know. Hey, no. All right, now, now it's time to talk. And <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to lock and key. So everything kind of went wrong here, fellas. Episode 7, everything kind of went wrong. I mean, mom picked a hell of an episode to start drinking. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's funny. I'll start here and then let you guys kind of think about what you know, say what you think about watching it for the first time. But rewatching this episode, I forgot how actually like I know it's a very strange and and kind of upsetting and drama filled episode, and you know people being held hostage, et cetera, et cetera, on the basis of what actually happened, but. It's a fun episode to watch the second time. You know what happens already, but the way they did it and to realize that the whole episode was just basically him hostage, having them hostage in the house. Right. This was definitely, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, man. Uh, I was going to say, this is definitely like a lot of these episodes have been kind of tense and, you know, strange, but this one seemed to take that 
kind of tenseness to another level with now that, you know, Sam got to the house and yeah, did the kidnapping and, you know, I was trying to find that head key and everything and just the whole, you know, the, the fear monster coming back out was, was like very interesting and how that's now going to, I feel like, you know, they ran away. So obviously her fears back out, but it's going to start. I don't know where it's going to show up again, but it's starting to attack. It's go on a rampage through the little, <laughs> the quiet New England town. I, you know, I, I'd been saying this since she buried it that fear would come back, and uh, not, not necessarily that way. I thought it would be a little more metaphorical as opposed to literally unburying it. But um, the second she was like, "Oh, I buried the key. It's out in the woods." I'm like, "We're we're going back to unbury fear and have it attack him." Totally, totally felt that, you know, I feel like that was, it was pretty obvious. Another rule to the game was introduced, uh, in, in regards to Dodge and the keys and who Dodge can take the keys from. Apparently she can not take them from locks, but anybody else is fair game as she says. And she walked out of that episode with lots of keys, lot, lots of keys. It looks like. The only ones that I saw that she didn't walk away with, we see at the end, the, I don't know what it's called, but I call it the ghost key. Uh, she didn't walk away with the ghost key. And I don't know that she didn't walk away. Like, I don't know if any others escaped her. Uh, I don't know if she got them all, but she had a lot of them. That's for sure. Well, I, I imagine she, she got, got, did she get the fire key? Yeah, she took everything off of Sam. Okay. So, and Sam got... The head key by by playing the dope and then continuing to play the dope. He got um, the key off. Of, he got the uh, whatever the two keys that were on the persons of um, Kinsey and um, his name, not Tyler. Oh, Bodie. No, Bodie. 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 Um, and I can't remember what they were carrying at the time. One of them was carrying like that music box manipulation. Kinsey was carrying the one that controlled people. And um, Bodie, was he controlling? Was he carrying the one that changed your appearance? Was he carrying that one, or was he carrying the key? Did he have the key that to the cabinet in the kitchen? He might have had the key to the yeah. cabinet. He definitely yeah. had the key to the cabinet because he was disappointed because he couldn't figure out how it worked in the previous episode. And then Sam had the fire key on his person, and he and um, Tyler had the um, the tele that the transportation key. I don't know if he lost that one in in it. He must have, because that's yeah, how Dodge got away, right? So Do- Dodge has got a lot, and, and that is a problem. And, and Mom broke at the end of the episode. and and Did she break, though? Did she break, or did she... She at the very... She, you've, you've known she's had a problem with alcohol, and, and don't be... Maybe you're trying to bait me for... Uh, for what's coming up in, in a couple more episodes. I don't know. She, she definitely has been working very hard to avoid drinking. And then at the right, end of the episode, but when she, but what, what, what would happen when she drank though? No one. Well, I don't know. Maybe she'll remember. Maybe that's maybe, maybe it will kick something off. Um, I vaguely remember. I'll have to go back and rewatch since you're dropping hints really hard there. That we All should I go back and is, pay attention to what happens to mom when she drinks. Just in, just in case I'm not overstepping myself, so I'm going to sidestep right here, right now, and we'll we'll end the whole Rick Lackney thing. And and we miss him sincerely, but you know, fuck you, Rick. You've got to show up one of these weeks. 
He said, tell Dave and Pod to eat a dick. <laughs> really? That's on us? It's on uh, us, huh? Yeah. To eat a dick. Your irresponsibility, your lack of dedication to a show that was your brainchild. You're telling us to eat a dick. You know what? I'm a vegetarian. Walk away. Oh, man. I can't even take credit for that line. I stole it from somebody else the other uh, on Twitter. I can't remember. Who I'm gonna said have it, to but... text Rick in a little while and say I, I'm I've had my fill of dick today. So you know, I mean, I'm not particularly worried about it. The show is going on fine without him. So that's true. Um, it's true. Like uh... this. Go this, ahead, Dave. No, I was just saying this episode. I, I think I, I posted it in the chat room today. Um, it's rare that a a, a TV series gets a song in there that actually nails. The uh, the episode as well as this Flora Cash or somebody else. The line, well, you look like yourself, but you're somebody else, only it ain't on the surface. And that really describes Sam. I mean, this I, I just left this episode thinking, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about Sam. You know, he's kind of portrayed sympathetically, but you don't want to feel sorry for him. But at the same time, you kind of do because he was clearly manipulated by Dodge. He comes from an abusive family. Um, you know, Tyler was set up by his dad to kind of find out more about him. And, and it really, it, this episode to me kind of turned the series and what you thought was going on and kind of flipped it on you. And I think Tony warned us that that was going to happen, that it really, you know, you get to the point where you're leaving and saying, okay, what I thought I knew about Sam and, and everything that happened didn't really happen. And there's obviously, there's gotta be something deeper to all this stuff that's tying together. And it's like, okay, we got three episodes to figure this stuff out. Um, but man, this this was a really good episode because it just left you feeling uncertain about, you know, the direction of the show and then just kind of like uncertain about, you know, what you kind of thought was going on. And they just kind of swerved you on this thing. So it was a, it was a great episode. But I just I mean, we watched it really late last night and I just was like, man, I'm not really sure what the hell happened. But um, fantastic stuff. And yeah, Dodge, just an absolute bitch times. 500 well i mean she's the villain so hopefully you don't like her <laughs> and you expected i mean you expected sam to be part of the ending of this whole thing and then like right. i said you kind of got a little bit of a swerve where you know this ended kind of his part of the story uh, you know, i don't have, agree with that at all well, i was gonna i was getting there we have still I... three more episodes to go but yet he got not killed but got pushed through the ghost door what separated that? from his body too is going to happen with him. Is he going to come back? Is he going to play a part part in this somewhere else down the line as well? You know, we don't I mean, know exactly. Here, what's here's the thing with him either. The, the ending of that episode is really ambiguous in that it could be that he's just dead forever and a ghost amongst the ghosts. But I, I would wager that he's going to play some sort of a role. I think it was very intentional that at the end of that episode, as the family is gathering around the house, his ghost is in the upper right-hand corner of that frame showing you that he's there. Now, it, I'm always challenged with characters like Sam. Dave, I want to go back to a point that you made, and I make it kind of comparable to the movie Joker. Uh, I struggle with the um, the victimized bad guy, and that is something that is is very much a trope that is used throughout here. As you learn about Sam's childhood, you learn that he had abusive father and that that made him who he was today. It made him, you know, easily manipulated into believing the worst out of Tyler and his father. 
when when Dodge starts talking to him and convinces him to look at the file that's being tracked. And at the very end, he gets the the big sort of, for lack of a we- better way to, you know, it's really apropos that she sticks a knife in his gut while at the same time telling him that he's worthless and nothing because that is the ultimate sort of gut punch, stab in the gut sort of thing to do to somebody who is that fragile and just desperate to be loved. And that's really what the char- you know, with the character at the end, he's doing these horrible things because Dodge values him or if he feels that Dodge values him. And so she reveals that she's been using him this whole time. And that's, that's kind of a kick in the teeth to, to him. Um, I'm always conflicted about characters like that. Cause he did some, you know, he burned down a prison. He shot a dude who was trying to help him because he's so stupid as to read a file and just assume that they're not trying to help him. Like it's just bizarro to me. And I don't like love that sort of character trope but i see where it was going within this within the context of this episode right and it is it is tropey but it does it does create a conflict in most people where you're sitting there looking at this and i don't want to feel bad for this guy but at the same time i kind of do and and i think that that's they they want you to be conflicted i think that episode wanted you to feel conflicted at the end sure success I, i i wasn't all that conflicted (laughs) <laughs> but you're a heartless bastard, Patrick. So, you no, know, no, I'm a realist. I'm the wrestling realist. Remember it's in the, it's in my Twitter handle. I know. So yeah, I, I look, I, I'll be intrigued to see what happens next week. Now that mom has been told that she's experienced this before, but doesn't remember. And she's like, why don't I remember? Looks like we'll be working on that question coming up. We, we still have, quite a bit of just feels like we got a long way to go before we reach some sort of conclusion uh, as we should, as we head into these last three episodes with, with Dodge having all these keys. I, I look forward to the cliffhanger at the end of episode 10. Somebody cue eastbound and down. We got a long way to go and a short time to get there. I mean, you're right. So good episode, Tony. I'm going to, I'm going to bow to you. You're right. Things ramped up in a big way. You've been telling us for a while that it would build up uh, and really kind of hit uh, a kind of a, a new pace for episodes seven, eight, nine, and ten. And here we are. We're at a new pace. It's a really tightly intimate episode, and yet so much happened that uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Eight episode uh, eight is my favorite. So there you yeah, go. My, I, 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 I risk overhyping it by saying that, but I don't care. My wife without spoiling anything says, Oh, it gets really fucked up from here. So excellent. Excellent. That's that's with Dodge having all those keys. I can't wait to see what happens. So you, you do, you do, you do need to have a low point. So we'll get there. So with that, I want to move on to some bad news. Uh, I shared this link with everybody in the in the chat in the in the famous Twitter chat that we've got going on. We know Rick, something Rick's, that it, Rick's not here. That's the bad news. Rick's right? Rick's not here. That's okay. terrible. Shit. But there was also a press release. People are still release. wondering if there is actually a Rick anymore. Right. Send help. Anyway, there there was this was something that we I think we all assumed was going to happen. Um, but it hadn't been announced yet, but it was made official this week as uh, San Diego Comic-Con was officially canceled, not happening this summer. Uh, Comic-Con International put that out. They have basically rescheduled for a year from now-ish, uh, actually, you know, a year from its target date-ish, which I think is July, 
2021, which hopefully by 2021, you can have a convention. We'll see. But uh, I don't know that there's anything that's overly surprising about this news bit. But for me, it's it's just a disappointing thing because I was really excited at the prospect of having this show and being able to respond to what was going to be announced at Comic-Con because we record the show on a Sunday. The last day of Comic-Con when nothing happens is on a Sunday and we would have had such a fertile show because that's where the following year gets that it gets dropped. That's when trailers get dropped. That's when show announcements gets dropped. That's when you see panels, you get to see all these, you know, news panels from all these different things from all across the industry, not just movies, but comics, entertainment. And so to see that be made official, it, it made me sad. And and I was a little disappointed, um, but I understand why. We're not even going virtual, it sounds like, on, on any level there. Dave, I know you want to jump in. Let me just say this real quick. I know uh, New York Comic Con was also canceled, and that's not till October or November. Right. Yeah, you know, awesome. I, I mean, I remember last year, kind of the groundwork for the show started to form Last year around San Diego Comic-Con, I mean, Rick asking a lot of questions about as Phase 4 was being revealed at, at San Diego Comic-Con and then, you know, subsequently got stuff at D2, D23. I got to imagine D23 is going to be canceled eventually here in the next couple of weeks as well. Um, but, yeah, that's it's super disappointing. I, I don't know about that. I mean, Florida's opening beaches, so... No. Well, yeah. beaches. Luckily, it's in Anaheim, where uh, the governor oh, of California, good point, good point. governor of California, is a little bit more sane than the. Uh, I love, I love all the memes about the the scene from Jaws where the uh, the mayor is opening the beaches. Says, "You remember what happened the last time somebody opened the beaches?" Uh, but it's yeah, it's, it's disappointing. You know, I mean, San Diego Comic Con is when all everything gets revealed, and now it's just kind of like solidifying the fact that yeah, you're looking at a year delay on everything i mean everything's going to be delayed i mean what what can you i mean yeah i don't know what to say about it it's just it it sucks i mean that's that's all you can say there's you know as the country starts to talk about reopening a little bit but yeah reopening to what extent not to the point where you can have a comic-con dp do i have to sing the lion king again to explain how this kind of thing is gonna end do we do we really want to hear the lion king once again no, we don't. you're you're gonna you're gonna sing a you're gonna sing a video game song later in the show, I'm sure. Anyway, so <laughs> you know, or now, I guess. What we need, what we need is that key is one of the keys from Lock and Key that we could take our memories of 2020 and just put them under a fucking tree somewhere, right? So that, you know, we don't remember 2020. Now that at all. key, did that key get taken? <laughs> Sorry. Here's one of the nerdiest thoughts Sorry. I've had in a long time: is the Matrix, right? Right. Everybody in the Matrix is in this wall and they're just plugged into this wall and everything just happens to them virtually. Like that's kind of happening to our society slowly, right? You just kind of sit in a box and you deal with life virtually. Coronavirus is a glitch in the Matrix. Good theory, Tony. I like that. <laughs> I just keep hoping that Sam Beckett eventually will get into leap into the proper body to stop this whole mess from oh. happening and fix it. Is our that really life. good? Is that coming back? I hope so. Uh, I, I hope that rumor's true. I love that show. I, I even watched the uh, reruns during the daytime uh, when they recently had them on USA it Network. It used to be streaming on Netflix, and I was pissed when it stopped being a watch instantly stream on Netflix. I loved that show. Oh, boy. So 
So yeah, so no Comic Con, which means I, I who knows what it means. It's not like stuff isn't being dropped and announced, but boy howdy. Uh, you, you're we're gonna be thirsty. I think is is just the best way to describe it. And Tony, you mentioned a New York Comic Con. I've had the, that's the one Comic Con I've actually been able to attend. I went a God, it's been like a decade now since I was. But back when New York Comic Con was still one of those shows you could get tickets relatively easily to. Um, back I, I remember it. It was when the first Avengers movie came out because there was a big Avengers setup. Um, Avengers was opening the following May. They had a big adventure stage with a panel, and Stan Lee was signing com, signing autographs on the Friday that I went with my friend Matt. Uh, it was a good time. So disappointment all around for all of us comic book fans out there, us comic nerds, and basically just kind of the the fodder that we use for the show to keep things going. And uh, I guess I'll use that to segue into somebody who's been successful with dropping new content since we keep talking about stuff getting pushed back. Dave, I'm going to let you uh, talk about this a little bit, but you, you shared with us an article and I, I titled this segment Netflix Greater Than Disney, question mark. Um, and it's all based on an article you shared. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this article and, and what what's going on? Yeah, I just kind of got found an article. I think my nephew sent it to me and he's like, did you realize that Netflix is now n- worth more than Disney is? And I was like, I was like, that can't be right. That 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 doesn't sound right. But then when you start digging into the article and start reading more in the, of the details as what's going on, uh, yeah, from a from the standpoint of shares of stock, profitability, uh, outlook right now, yeah, Netflix is is actually worth more than Disney. Disney's taking significant, massive losses. They just did like a five billion dollar credit to something. I don't know what it, what happened, but you know. When you look at what Netflix is doing, they've got all their stuff filmed. All they're doing is streaming. People are in lockdown. So it makes sense that more people are on Netflix right now. Disney's got Disney Plus. But like, yeah, what we were doing, just sitting around screwing around with the numbers. You look at the six Disney parks that are shut down. I mean, the average cost of a, a ticket to one of the Disney parks is like 150 bucks. They've got probably a minimum of 10,000 people who go through there every day. I mean, you're looking at what did I say, Patrick? Like an eleven million dollar loss per day. Yeah, it's pretty significant for the six parks per day, and that's just gate. That's not talking about merchandise. Um, that's not talking about anything else that goes on in the parks. Food. I mean, those parks make a lot of money for that Disney Corporation. There have been shut down since what the middle of March. Um, yep. So you're looking at $11 million a day. Let's say conservatively $10 million a day that they're losing just on the parks alone. No movies are coming out. They can't recoup anything off of all the Marvel stuff that was going to buoy them into forever. Now, you know, I, my, my nephew, they, he was telling me today, he's like he's reading something that they're really going to have to ramp up getting Avengers 5 out there sooner than they might otherwise have wanted to to try and recoup some of that money. Um, so it's not it's not surprising that Netflix is is technically worth more than Disney. Does Disney have greater upside once those parks reopen? Sure, but um, you know the big thing is is anybody ever going to catch Amazon right now? Amazon is is making a ridiculous amount of money. The point they're like, hey, stop ordering from us. We got too much shit going on. But it's it's surprising to see that Netflix has that big of an impact. But when we really break down what the what the state of the world has been for the last what six weeks now. 
Um, it's not surprising to say that Netflix is now worth more than Disney is. They don't have well, all this big, huge drain on their uh, on their uh, you know their bottom line. Well, and they're also the they're also the company that people think of when they think of options to stream. Like when you think of your first, when, when you think of the first company to come to mind, it's like talking, I'm going to use, here's our wrestling chat for the day. If you walk up to a person on the street, WWE. Exactly. And I'm like, name, the name a pro wrestling company. The first thing they're going to say is the WWE. If I'm like name a streaming service, most people are going to say Netflix. Cause Netflix is, is it Netflix did it first Netflix and chill was a big joke for the longest time or as a big thing for the longest time. And there, there are other streaming services and they're doing fine. Hulu is doing fine. Disney plus Amazon, is saving Disney's ass. Right. Disney plus is a great thing. The thing about Disney plus that kind of hurt it is that the timing of when Disney plus was released and dropping new content versus Netflix, which just has stuff in the can. Um, left and right that's just available to them that they've that they've just got kind of stashed away that they can drop on you out of nowhere makes a huge difference not really out of nowhere they just have it and kind of bided their time and following their model you're right it doesn't it doesn't surprise me that they're they're kind of the top dogs on this when it comes to what people are doing and you know we've talked about a bunch of other let's say smaller streaming services the other thing that a lot of those streaming services are once you get past the Amazons and the Hulus in the world is they're very specialized, whether it's CBS all access, which is just going to be limited to their shows or shutter, which is, you know, very, very much thematically, you know, horror movies only there's, there's just less available and it's kind of hard to kind of carve a bigger chunk out of that market when Netflix has got it all. Yeah. But like you said, Netflix has just, a plethora of series out there for people to go back catalog for people to go like us who are a couple months behind on lock and key to go back and watch this fantastic series and all the good stuff that was happening on Disney plus got pushed back, you know? So, right. So yeah, I mean, there, there, there's like, I mean, prime's got some stuff. I mean, I know we've talked about some shows on prime that we're watching um, some of the other services out there. Yeah. I mean, shutters fun and all that sort of thing. Epics. Uh, I think they've got some streaming stuff, but yeah, Netflix is just dominant. HBO Plus. Yeah, HBO Plus. But or yeah, HBO Netflix, Go. HBO Go, sorry. Netflix is uh is in a dominant position right now. So it's uh right. you know, I don't think it'll it'll last forever, but for now No, not at all. It should should Netflix should buy Disney right now. <laughs> I don't think that's oh, happening. Silly rabbit. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're right. I think once some level of people being able to go outside and enjoy the world again comes about obviously disney is going to to step back forward and and jump back into the world uh and and be worth more again so yeah i I think i said this in our chat i'm not worried about disney like disney ain't going anywhere they're fine uh, and it'll be fine so any thoughts over there dan tony you guys good guys kind of quiet today i I got i got netflix I got Amazon. <laughs> I, I got, got Hulu. He's got it all. I can watch, I can watch streaming. There's too much I got a wallet. To watch on all of these. I got a license. I can drive yeah. a car. I like, I like I pizza. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about let's talk about some of the good then that's going on in the world today. We I, I sent this out to to the, everybody about midweek because I wanted to believe it. I, I was hoping it wasn't some like lie, and so I think Tony was the first person to confirm it via a friend. 
Uh, and then I think Satchel, both of us. Satchel McFlippins. Right. So PlayStation, there was a, I saw an article on Yahoo and you always got to be, you always got to be careful when you're looking at the Yahoo main page and you see like an article that's like PlayStation's giving away free games on their, you know, to download. And I'm like, well, I, I'm interested. Let's see if it's true. So I'd shared the article that um, PlayStation was allegedly giving away the Uncharted collection and the um, indie game journey as free downloads through their um, through their network for for anybody. Not you didn't have to be a member of PlayStation Plus. You didn't have some have to have some special account. Just uh, you just had to to download it when the the thing started. And I had sent it out there. I was like, can anybody confirm that this is true? Because if it's true, we're going to talk about it on the show. Tony responded that yes, it was true. And then Tony and I both went to like download it, and both of us were like, this shit ain't working. Why is it trying to bill us? What's going on? And then I had to go back to the article. And it was because the announcement was that it was going live. I think it was April 15th at 8 p.m. Pacific time. Because for some stupid ass reason, we had to listen to the other half. of the, We had to wait for the other half of the country to have it available, um, which meant it was available at 11 p.m. Eastern time, 10 p.m. Tunny time. And I see a smirk over there from Mr. West Coast himself. He's like smiling into his hand. Why don't, why don't you why don't you brag on your stupid Pacific time? Catch up. Hey, you know, you got you got to give some love out to the West Coast. They they need to get it get in on this action. That's true, I guess. Anyway, it is a great thing. Now, for people who have played all three of the of the first three Uncharted games, probably not as great a great a deal, I guess. Uh, I was very excited about it. I've downloaded. I haven't started them yet. I did confirm that the games worked. Got got into like the start screen and kind of just tooled around a little bit. I'm more interested in Journey because Journey is a little bit more my speed in that it's just this like beautiful thinking game. Like it's a puzzle sort of game. Like I'm very, very interested to really dive deep into that game and play it um, and see what, what that brings to the table. But great move by PlayStation. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I'll just, as someone, I, I know Dave and DP have both played Uncharted, obviously. Um, I, I had never played it before. So the opportunity to download that, and I, I even mentioned right away in, in our in our feed, I'm like, you know, I started, I'm like, I looked, I'm like, oh, I have two, three, and four. Oh, sweet. Well, I might as well start at two. Um, and just getting off the train, the very first chapter of two, I was like, oh, I'm hooked. This is great. This is fun. It's an Uncharted. Um, the you don't have Uncharted's to be, on there, isn't it? Yeah. No, I think it's just two and three, and four. And no, isn't it two, three, and four? The one. It's one, two, one, two, one, two, three. three. That's the one I have. Hmm. I'll have to go back. So Tony's actually been playing Uncharted with... one, but thinks it's no, no. I'm playing two. Oh, Does yeah. two start with you on the, the train oh, yeah, falling yeah. off the mountain? Oh yes. That Wisconsin education really kicking in there. <laughs> Listen, I got to tell you, the people were out masses uh, protesting Saturday. Oh, stop. Too many white claws. That's what's going on there. I'm not for the third podcast in a row. This is a whole <laughs> week of no white claws on the podcast. AJ called me out last night. So you know what? Let me just. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to go Rick. I'm not going to go Rick here. Go ahead. Carry on with the yeah, show. You, you can tell me to eat a dick. I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> Spotted dick. Yeah, I already, gave, so I already I, gave Rick shit about that. He goes, love you, buddy. <laughs> so I, I'm. He was joking. If if I'm not mistaken, we're probably going to talk Uncharted on some point at some point in the uh, the video game project. So without because I see uh, some vigorous nods there, 
without it's going too far into it, sell me on why I should play Uncharted. Go ahead, Dan. Oh, it's the same for the same reason you just said journey because it is it is more of a puzzle than having to be really good at sniping people or sneaking up on people or right. crawling around you can learn the game really fast it's, you have to think your way through the game it's graphically tremendous it, it, it it's like see man if you've ever played tomb raider think of tomb raider but really 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 good you know that sort of thing that's that's kind of what I'm... Wow, you just dogged on Tomb Raider. I, you know, I mean, Tomb Raider was okay. Wow. Okay game, but not like this. Oh. I mean, and this has got... Oh, it's coming up on Dan's list, I can tell, so... Both of them are coming up on my list. All right, that's all right. Uh, I, I don't, yeah, I I don't mean, dislike Tomb Raider, but I just thought Uncharted 2 really took kind of the, the, pl- the, the foundation of what they did and really built upon it. Yeah, it takes a little less, little less stealth than what uh, Tomb Raider does. Um, but continues the puzzle solving, continues the platforming, adds a little more platforming to it with, like, other than just climbing up a wall, there's, like, shit happening while you're trying to do this. And the story is awesome. Story. It's, you know, if you the like story, the historical man. type of stuff, the archaeological type of stuff, you know, almost, uh, you know, Indiana Jones type of stories, it's really awesome. It just it gets you hooked. It gets you built into, you know, really diving into a game and gets you amped up to kind of continue to figure out what's going to happen in the story. It's just fantastic. Yeah, and Nathan Drake does have a definite Indiana Jones ish quality to him. So good. good All right. So, so did. good sell. Um, again, don't want to take too much away from when you pontificate about how much you love the game later on in one of the future episodes of the video game project. The other thing that is happening, and I can't believe we didn't talk about this earlier, because this has actually been going on for a little while now. John Krasinski uh, of The Office and A Quiet Place fame has been doing a YouTube series called Some Good News. And people are just raving about these things. But the last latest thing that he did that I thought was kind of cool that people went nuts about, he virtually DJed prom for people who didn't have for, for high school kids that didn't have a prom had celebrities involved. Billy Eilish, I think was involved in some way, shape or form. If I do recall just a, such a nice thing. Like, I, and here's the thing is there was a, there was a trend going on around Facebook where people were sharing like their senior photos and trying to be like, this is in solidarity with seniors who don't get to have a senior year. And I was like, that's stupid. That's, that's more about yourself. This was like a nice sort of, thing that i don't think really makes it about john krasinski and his celebrity friends but really was like hey if you can here have a dance i'm gonna dj and he looked hilarious it was adorable like he had like a little tux on with a tie and some goofy glasses and he was the dj with the headset and everything and it was i just thought it was really nice and it's something that you know people can still check out they're they're there on youtube give them a watch there's been a lot of that going around, which is right, pretty right. awesome. There's a handful of people that are doing actually some nice things like that. And, you know, it's good to see, you know, yeah, you know, filling up your time just with doing things, but giving away, giving to other people when you're sitting around, you know, having nothing else to do. And, you know, it's nice that we're thinking about others rather than just when are we going to get back to our normal jobs? There's a lot of people out there that are struggling like you said, the, that whole the whole seniors, they're all you're losing everything at the end of your year of high school or college right. or wherever. Man, that's just what else do you do? It's just nice to see other people 
trying to help and, and you know do something for them. Right. So I'm from the state of Illinois originally. We've we've talked about this on more than one occasion. And the governor this week officially announced that public schools would not be reopening. And my my mother worked in our in our school district system. Uh, was very. I was definitely one of those kids who was close with teachers. And I think everybody has teachers that they were close to and that they love very much. But to to kind of see, not to kind of see, but to see just people reacting to that news and just it's kind of hard. I mean, it's not kind of hard. It's heartbreaking for a lot of these folks that that is something that's going to go away. You know, UMass is, I, I work for the University of Massachusetts and they're doing a virtual graduation, a virtual commencement, which is nice. But to not have that opportunity, that experience to be able to to walk across that podium, to get your degree, to shake hands with the chancellor, which is really the only time that a lot of people meet the chancellor at a major institution like that or the, you know, the head, the department head of their major. Um, This is, you know, you just you feel for that. You feel for students and you feel for for the folks whose livelihood are giving students those experiences. And that's that's what I saw a lot this week on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, it's the the country's just it's it's a weird, weird time. I mean, the time is weird anyway, but just like going into the grocery store, (laughs) the grocery store is now like going through a, a, a maze now. They don't want they want you to go one way down every single aisle so that people aren't running into each other to minimize and I got to sit in line and, and listen to people. I mean, Bakersfield's like a really conservative town in this very liberal state. And so it's fun while I'm sitting in line listening to people talk about, goddamn, H1N1 killed more people than this fucking thing did. And I'm like, it's also been around for like a, like 12 years, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. So Right, right. Um, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's strange times. But it is sad, yeah. They canceled school here probably a few weeks ago. And I know like our governor right. who I, I give a lot of credit and I, I hate talking politics. I really do. But I give credit to our governor because I think California got on it pretty quick. And yeah, he used some scare tactics and he told people that millions of Californians were going to die, but it got people's attention. And I look around and this state takes it very seriously. Everybody's a lot of people are wearing face coverings and doing all that stuff. And he's just really frank. He's like, yeah, we're looking at reopening things, but we're not going to be able to have, you know, mass gatherings of people until maybe september or something like that which is why comic-con went up in flames why d23 was is going to be canceled as well so he's he's kind of shifted and now he's just very pragmatic and honest about it but it's just it's strange times and and yeah school is a major casualty because i suck as a home school teacher luckily my kids do most of their work on their own so and they're smarter they're smarter than me which isn't saying much i know patrick i'll i'll cut you (laughs) off right there no, no. I mean, you you did go to law school, so I can at least assume that uh, you have what, like eight, ten years of education. So I can assume you're at least ten. A few years of education in there, yeah. That's that's true. <laughs> All right there, you go. So, and you had to take like a test or three. Anyway, just I do just I, a ne- nasty next week, test, man. Nasty right, test. Right, right. Next week, I, I wanted to, one of the things that we haven't talked about and is something I think would be fun to get into. And Tony, you actually made me think of this uh, because on Twitter, by the way, follow PC Tony on Twitter. It's very entertaining. 
uh, as he makes up rhymes about people not buying him drinks and calling him cheap. And he, he, he posed, he posed a question last, uh, last night, I think it was of the first song he'd put on the jukebox when he get out there. And then I saw him reply to another one about like, what album would you listen to start to finish over and over and over again? And I think yours was licensed to ill. If I, if I do recall by the Beastie Boys, mm-hmm. which is a hell of an album. I went with injustice for all by Metallica, uh, which is one of my faves, but, um, Lots and lots, right? I saw that. Yeah, <laughs> lots. There's lots and lots of free um, concerts being put on. There was, and I know concert is not the right word, but like musicians putting shows out there, like empty empty rooms, playing music, playing sets for folks. Uh, I want to look for a couple of those for next week and talk about those as the as the some good. So, fellas, if you if you're out there, do a look around. See if we can find some artists that we can go crazy about, because that's what I think we're going to do next week. And with that, we're going to move into our break. We're going to take the bill. Uh, you take the time to pay the bills. As usual, I haven't introduced the show properly. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Oh, oh, Tony's going to do it. Oh, Tony wants me to go ahead and do it. Um, you've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, Chairshot.com. You can also listen to us on eWrestlingNews.com and Raja.com as well. Eventually, uh, we'll be back on the back end uh, when we come back. We are going to talk about our numbers 40 through 31 of our top console games of all time. This is Bandwagon Nerds. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. back i'm gonna pull the curtain back if you all could see the, the fucking skype video that was going on during that commercial break as pc tony is giving us hand gesture after hand gesture it was like watching the end of major league when jake taylor is giving the sign that he's about to bunt uh, but we figured it out which kudos to the the round table here for for getting that down somehow correctly. So for whatever it's worth, the, the learn, smoke signals. We need to learn sign language. That would help that's a like, lot. Uh, well, that's like I, 500 got, episodes worth of experience. <laughs> right. I can see that. Like it was it was some good stuff. But <laughs> but that was, you know how hard it is not to laugh even with your mic on mute to, to not mess up the commercial break, which I, I mean really was that important. But here we are. We're just here. trying to just trying to save Dave's time. There you go. So that Thanks, music Tony. obviously means that we are into I and Dave just jumping right in. I I was ready to intro the segment, man. I just anything thanked else? I just thank you, Patrick. That's all. All right. We're gonna jump into part week two of the video game project. That is numbers forty through thirty-one as um as we tend to do. And here's here's what happened last week, everybody, is we we were kind of floating around with rules and things just sort of changed on the fly. We are we are, I think, in the land of pausing 
on on future episodes if there's something on a list that's further up, especially if it's a big one. We had a couple that it was like three or four of us had them like way uh, way high up, and so I, I do see that continuing to be a thing. Uh, we again will move the order along. So last week DPP went first, so he's going to bring up the rear this time. We're going to start with Tony. Tony's leading us off today, followed by Mister Ungar, then myself, and we'll end with Dan. And we are running pretty ahead of schedule, so I'm ready to dive right in. Tony, why don't you kick us off with your number 40, sir? I think I'm going to volley it right back to you because I think I tabled something you had from last week's list, and I said, hey, why don't we start the countdown this week, and that's baseball stars. Oh, we covered baseball stars. You can oh, there we go. To cover baseball stars on All the right. show. There we go. So we're, we're still even going more today. ahead of schedule. We're even more ahead of schedule. Who's next on 40? Mr. Ungar. Uh, you know, we're going to be even more ahead of schedule because we discussed my number 40 last week. It was lower on Dan's list, and that was Gears of War, which I don't Ooh. think I've got anything to add to uh, the discussion that we had on Gears of War last week. So, Patrick, it's to you. And see, and here, I think we're going to skip again because oh. I'm willing to assume that this is higher up on someone's list, but that is the... Oh, the Nintendo version of Double Dragon. Nothing? Oh, so it made the arcade list, I think, for Dan, right? Was that yeah. was it on your arcade? Dave. It was on Dave's. Dave. Yeah. Dave. So I never really played the arcade version, but I, I played the shit out of Double Dragon when it first hit because it was such a big deal. Um, was terrible at the game. Was was a platform that we talked about in some of the other uh, editions, and we'll talk about it um, frequently because it was one of those side-scrolling, action-based uh, games, jump, punch, kick. I remember that mastering the jump kick was a necessity because there was a pit, and I can't remember which level it was, but you had to jump You had to jump kick across the pit. Couldn't actually jump the pit. You could jump kick, and I sucked at it, and it took me forever. And I also remember fighting. I can't remember the guy's name, but he had a giant head. He was just like this big, muscly dude with a giant head. It started with an A. It was like a, was it a, a hobo? A yes, hobo. Adobe um, Acrobat. No, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Adobe somebody, Acrobat. Somebody reader. give me well that done. PDF, baby. Wow! And I love Way to getting earn the nerd portion of the bandwagon nerds. Bam! Hey, you know what? I like being the king. Uh, I also remember that um, there was a character. Uh, I think there were women that had whips, and you could beat, you could get them, and then beat them with their own whips. I know. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Scandalous. Not but very that was PC, my, not very PC, Patrick. I know it's okay, but it's all right. I didn't I didn't design the game. I just played it. So that was my number forty, and that kicks it over to you, DPP. It's you. It's you. Well, let's try. Let's try to get one that's not on anybody's list. All right. Number forty for me was a little game called Psychonauts. Not on my list. I don't know if anybody has heard of this game. Yep, heard I've heard of it. Of it. It was a cult. It was a cult classic, but it was fantastic. It was a little cartoony, but it was a like a third person kind of platformer. The whole goal was you were trying to get into this, you know, become a basically a psychonaut. You were in, you know, you're these kids going to camp basically, and the the whole premise was you go kind of uh, similar to lock and key with the head key. You go into people's minds, and and you're basically trying to clear their minds of all the badness that they have in there and you got to go through and 
you know, it's little things you got to pick up and then you find these, their, their baggage. And it was just this little bag you had to collect and, uh, just things like that and going into, and then, you know, finally going against the ultimate bad guy. But it was, it was such an interesting game because of the, the, the idea behind it and the premise was never done before. They are still continuing to try and do a sequel, which I don't know if it'll ever come out, but supposedly it says next year, but next year was next year and all that happens. But it was just democracy. such a, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Right. Right. Such a niche game. It was so different than anything you really played that it was just, it was so entertaining to play. I've played it multiple, multiple times because it's just so fun. It's one of those that's just easy to pick up and get into without too much complication. It's very basic, but yet very complicated at the same time. Number 39 for me. Unless yeah, you got you, more. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another cult classic, somewhat unheard of game. It's called Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, yes. Aren't they coming? Okay, I'll let you describe it. Aren't they doing a sequel to this? That's another one. <laughs> they keep talking about a Can't sequel. Can't push back. They've been talking about that for 20 years. Literally almost yeah. 20 years, man. Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah, what was it? 2003, I think. I looked up the when this game was released. Yep, 2003. But another one of those cult classics. You know, a lot, a lot of people have heard of it. It's a, a third person, again, platformer style. It just it kind of had everything in it. You were You were this kind of reporter that was going around trying to find out what's going on in the world. And you basically had to take you know, you had your camera with you, you had to take photos of the different things that were happening um, to try and capture the whole story. Um, it was a lot of stealth. Most of the levels were, were trying to stay away from the bad guys and walk around. But then they had uh, levels where you're basically on a, on a ship, you know, going through the going through water. There was a racing portion of it where you're on in a car and just doing racing levels and had to collect things that way. It kind of had everything in it that a platformer would that you would expect with you know some fighting but generally more, more stealth but it was one of those that is just one of those unique games again where not a lot of people have heard of it but it was just so entertaining that i keep going back to that one again and again keep waiting for a sequel that may never ever come keep it's, keep those fingers crossed it's got a very <laughs> passionate fan base that is for sure i uh, yeah. i remember hearing of it i i say i've never played the game like i Excellent way, way to go underground on us, man. If you, yeah, like I, I like if you liked, uh, you know, the kind of the Mario 64, like Banjo Kazooie type mm-hmm. of game, this seemed to be more in that level of type of style of game, you know. Nice. Um, so it's really entertaining if you get a hold of it. Very cool. Yeah, I'll see if I can't check that out. It's got to be available somewhere. You can get it on so- PC, I know for sure. Um, I don't know about Xbox or PlayStation, I never really looked, but. I downloaded it on Steam for the PC. Nice. Very cool. So my number 39 um, is a 1988 Data East game that uh, I saw at the arcade, but when it became available in a Nintendo system, bought in an instant. And that's Bad Dudes. Um, Did anybody else play Bad Dudes? Yes. Yeah, played it. When you said Daddy East, I knew where you were going. (laughs) Of all the first... Uh, of all the side-scrolling, like sort of walk around, punch and jump kick people games out there, and we'll talk about more as as we get along. Bad Dudes was the was the one that I first played, and I remember the co- the screen, the 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 title screen was like two dudes back to back, white t-shirts with like the Bruce Lee kung fu pants, big flex. I was like, gotta play that game. You walk around 
pick up the knives and you throw them at dudes, you punch them all to death. And God, I could play that game for hours upon hours upon hours. It was adorable. It was worth it. I love it. Play some bad dudes. It's it's great. Find a port. I, I hear, I actually was, um, I did a Wikipedia of it just to look it up and make sure I got the year right. Allegedly, it's available somewhere on PlayStation 4. So I'd be searching that shit. When I get, I don't know, because PlayStation ported a ton of stuff. Like, I think I talked about this in the arcade game. That X-Men arcade game used to be available on the PlayStation Network. You used to be able to download and play it. So I'm, I'm looking for bad dudes. Love bad dudes. There's your there's your title of the episode right there. Looking bad bad dudes. looking for bad there's, dudes. Looking for bad dudes. That's a good one. Uh my 39 kind of goes in the opposite direction of bad dudes and it is a uh, little big planet for the PlayStation 3. This game is uh I mean modernly most of the kids nowadays are playing Minecraft because of the creation aspects of it, but I thought little big planet did it far better than Minecraft did it. And they did it like a decade ago or something. They, the story was cool. They had sack boy running around, but that wasn't where it was. It was the ability of people to create levels on the same kind of scale and scope as like a game developer would. And then you could, you could upload it to the PlayStation network People could go to all these levels and they could play, you know, in, in your level and see how you could actually do this stuff. And my kids, you know, when they were young, man, they played the shit out of this game. And my son, who, you know, my son's on the autism spectrum. I think I've disclosed that before. He would love to go to other people's levels at anything Disney based and would play in their Disney based worlds like and people were making replications of like rides at Disneyland, like Splash Mountain, Pirates of the Caribbean. And it was so creative what these people were doing. It was simply fantastic. I, I love this game. I never was worth a shit at the creative aspect of it, but I recognized it when I saw it and it was fantastic. And it, it, it looks, you know, if you play Minecraft and I know the kids love that, but it's really just very blocky and I don't get the appeal of Minecraft. I know a lot of people do, but this game had everything that Minecraft has and then some, and it looked better, and I, my opinion, did it better, and still does it better. So, Little Big Planet is a game close to my heart. Gets number thirty nine for me. For for the record, the little O'Dowd, effing loves Minecraft. So, how dare you, sir? They all do, Pat. How dare you? All the kids. Love how, how, how old? How old is the little O'Dowd? He's eight. Yeah. Okay. They all love it. I have a co- I have a cousin who. I'm pretty close with that. We golf a lot together and he has kids right around the same age and they're big into Minecraft. So I can confirm that's a very much in that age range kind of scale. It's, thing. And it is all it. about the creativity involved in it. Like, like it's the same sort of deal. Like it's, it's got a look, it's got a, it has a bigger following, but the kind of like what we talked about with Sim city, like it's an extension of Sim city really when you when you really look at it and that's and that's what's kind of great about these sorts of games it's the first video game that the little doubt ever owned that was his and you know as somebody who's been concerned about sort of what kind of video games are out there that kids can get into and get behind that that he was he would watch these people build minecraft worlds on youtube uh, but it's the same sort of thing something like little big planet where it allows them to be creative it allows them to have some freedom to have fun that allows, you know, there is a level of survival involved, uh, but not in, in a level of shoot and blow people up sort of things. Um, made it very easy for that to be the kind of game and those kinds of games to be ones that you pick because they are kid friendly. They are worth 
the time and they're great for kids. Like they're just great. So yeah. Like in little big planet was almost like open source before that became really in vogue, that sort of thing. And, and it, I'm sure it led a lot of people to careers in game development because they're like, Oh, okay. This is how it all works together. And, uh, yeah. So I, I, I don't get Minecraft, but I see the appeal of it for sure. All right, Tony, where are you, man? You're number 39. Okay, as I boomerang back around here, my 39 and 38, I feel maybe very much in danger of waiting for another day. I'll start with 39, and it's and I hope that I'm sure other people have probably played this more in depth. Maybe somebody has one in particular, but mine is kind of the Halo series. I don't know if anybody has that high, the higher or anything individually, and I and I kind of thought so, and I played that mainly with DP as well a little bit before him and I actually. We kind of we shared a place together for a little while in our early twenties, so we we did a lot of that. He taught me a lot of things on that game, so let's just we'll say, hit that down the road. That was say much that was higher. my thirty nine. Yes, I, I thought so. For me, I'm not. I'm more of I'm I'm a little bit different kind of gamer as far as the the shooter games. So, uh, but definitely enjoyed it. We'll talk about that more down the road. And coming back around, my thirty eight uh, is the whole Mega Man series, uh, especially on the NES. I don't know if anybody else has that on their list. Um, I remember, I think it was one of the last ones, five, four, four, five or six. But my cousin aforementioned, we, whenever I went over there, he had just gotten it and we played it. I think I was over there for a whole weekend. My parents were out of town staying by my uncles and we ended up beating this game. And I remember it's just one of the most fun games. It, all the different things that actually Mega Man could do on the game and then the villains, I remember, were, were really cool, especially for a, a Nintendo game. I hated Mega Man <laughs> so, so much. Of all the platformers out there, hated playing Mega Man. I don't know why I struggled. It was because I, I sucked at it. Like I struggled so hard at that game. Um, I, think I, I think I beat Mega Man 2, which was the weirdest. Like, And I remember... The other thing is that bosses were weak against specific weapons that you got from other bosses. That was the whole thing was figuring out which bosses were weak against what. And I remember Dr. Wily was weak against in Mega Man 2 was weak against the bubble lead was the name of the attack. It was like you you attacked Dr. Wily with bubbles and his machine died. It was like, but why, though? Like, but why? And, and you, ever get a, you ever get a bubble in your eye when you're blowing bubbles? And you, that fucking that stings, mean, man. I guess so, and it really pissed off Dr. Wily. <laughs> One of the things I loved about uh, just the in a, in a history of Mega Man that the reason Mega Man was blue is because that was the, the most popular color palette, and with the limited amount of colors that they had, they used blue because that was the most blues were available in the palette at the time. Right. I remember that is notorious for Mega Man one is notorious for science. One or two is notorious for having some of the worst box art in history. Like it was terrible. So poorly done. Dave, what's your number 38? My number 38 is the first of two Mario based games that are in this episode coming up, not overall, but just in this episode alone. And it's a super Mario RPG, which I don't know if that's higher up on anybody else's, but you know, they took they, they you would think when people think Mario, they think platformer, you think maybe Donkey Kong, you think of all that sort of stuff. They took Super Mario and they actually put it in a turn based role playing game, which there's some external source. I don't want to give too much away because I know we're spoiler free. But at the same time, if people go back and play this, I don't want to ruin it. But 
it's this great story where Mario and Bowser actually arch enemies have to team up together to fight a greater evil. It's uh, done very well. The story's fantastic. The game mechanics are really, really good. Uh, it's it's rare. I think it's still the only Super Mario-based RPG that's out there. Love the game. It's uh, number 38 on my list. It was a fantastic game. I, I actually I love playing that one. And one of the few... I'm not an RPG guy, and I don't like the turn base so much, but having Mario and that, you know, the whole Mario, whatever you call it, genre, being part of a, another type of game and being an RPG was still fun to play because you had that. You still had all the elements of Super Mario in there with the blocks and coins and everything else was still there. It was just in a different format. It was it was really fun. It was uh, very clever. Didn't Square do that? I think Square did that game. If I remember correctly, maybe I'd have that to look make it sense. Up. If, if I had stayed in the Nintendo family, I probably would have played the game. Um, but by that point, I was out of the Nintendo family when it came to, to systems. So I, uh, I can take no credit there or I can I can share no uh, share no experience there. I no award credit, you but... zero points and may God have mercy on your soul. I mean, I, that's that's when I moved into the land of the PlayStation, man. What can I say? Um, so that brings it to me and my 38. Um, I'm not sure if this is on anybody else's list. It might be. Who knows? But uh, for me, it was Blades of Steel uh, by Konami. It's a Nintendo game. What a great game. <laughs> and so here, here's what I remember the most about. There are three things I remember the, about Blades of Steel. And actually, we'll let Tony put his earbuds in because if he's got it, I don't want to. Take the way blades of steel. Okay. So blades of steel had three things that I loved about that game so much. One was the really crappy voice acting that said blades of steel. That was really muffled and was like, (laughs) and you were supposed to assume that that was blades of steel. The second was, it was the first hockey game where the fight was like really a fight that I remember on Nintendo. Cause if you all remember Nintendo ice hockey fights would happen and it was just like all the guys would live, bounce into each other and like go scooting away. And it was funny. This one, you got into a fight on blades of steel. It put up a little screen of two dudes punching and then it got into it and you got to punch and fight your way out. And if you won the fight, the other guy got taken to the penalty box and you stayed on the ice and that's the way it should be. Damn it. And then the uh, the third thing I remember is that in between the second and third period, they would always show the, they would always show the scoreboard in between periods. But in between the second and third period, there was a mini game where you were a spaceship flying around, and it was like I, like a Grandia or some sort of deal like that, where you could play your way through uh, and fight a boss, and you just you could play it every time. And it was like the first time I remember like a game within a game. Like a mini, and you didn't get anything for it. Like if you won, you didn't get anything special. It was just kind of this nifty little piece to it all. But man, alive, I love Blades of Steel. That game was so much fun. Yeah, I love. I, I mean, just the best hockey game on the early NES, and and one of the first games that taught me, or <laughs> in the early days, that there are glitches in the game that you can exploit mm-hmm. to score. You know, go down in the bottom right corner or the corner and just shoot it, and the goalie just misses the puck every time. So if you were in trouble, you could just go there and get back into the game. Uh, it made it you know, a lot easier to beat the game and, and accomplish right. your goal of world domination, or at least in the NES Hockey League. But yeah, that, that game was... Uh, when you compare that to like 
Atari hockey that existed at the time, or even in television's hockey that existed at the time. And then they bought, brought Blades of Steel, fantastic game. Great They choice. looked like real hockey players. Yes. They looked like real hockey players. It was so great. And didn't they now, do like cut, they had, they had like cut scenes when people would score? Little mini right. cut scenes, but cut scenes. Yep. So that's, yeah, that's my 38. Where, uh, where do you, D, DPB? Dan? Number 38 for me uh, is a kind of the series of, but it's Guitar Hero. Anybody's got that? I don't nope. I don't have Guitar. Nope. Oh, nope. Tuddy's got it. Nope. All right. Like right. future future episode up or this episode up? Next episode. Next episode. Excellent. Really? Right, good. Well, I can also, cool. We got we got I could, we got stuff to talk about next episode then. Right. Yeah, we do. I also think I can skip my number thirty seven because we talked about this on the last episode, I believe, and that's Wii Sports. Yep. Yes. You yeah. guys that that was where you all insulted me and thought like I wouldn't know about it. <laughs> oh, should we do it again? No, it's fine. You need, I mean, you I'll need, hear you either way. You need to leave the room. No, just kidding. <laughs> what was funny was your reaction when I came back with my with with the birds drawn, and you were like, "He heard us." That was great. That was, that was good. That was good. That was good radio. Let me tell you, Dad was so, watching the whole time. <laughs> Damn it! So again, I'm going to act on the assumption because it's going to stun me if this isn't further up on on your guys' list. But it also in the uh, the Konami sports family, actually, wait. Did you do both? Did you do 38 and 37? Yep. 38 right. was Guitar Hero, 37 Wii Sports. Right. So oh, my yeah. 30 my 37 was also in the Konami family of sports games. It was also an early Nintendo game, and that was Double Dribble. I, I don't have it on there, but it's another How great game. dare you are. Speaking it, of cutscenes. I was going to mention that. You didn't mention, talk about going to the corner to cheat. Well, both, both games there, there had were, that element. Here's here's the thing: is I remember Double Dribble had. Four it would have been teams. on my honorable mention. Sorry, fair Go enough. Ahead. So Double Dribble had four teams. That was the thing that was. It was, it was um, L.A., Boston, Chicago, and I. Oh gosh, I'm going to forget the four. I think one. it was New Houston. York. Was it New York. York? New York. It was New York. Though. And I and our and they all had different things. Like Chicago was like the physical team. Like they were the dunk team, but Boston was the team that you could cheat with like crazy because they they had on the court range like they could shoot from anywhere and and make it and when you made a three i loved it because it would always make the when it would go through like it would sound like a bomb going off and Dave, you talked about cutscenes when you went up to dunk yes they did a cut scene for the dunk but it was like frame 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 and then he either missed it or made it and they would show like the hoop or it would make this big like sprong noise when you missed i you know so many fights were started over early over double dribble like in winning or losing games and that was one of those games where if you could master because a button passed b button shot that was it and you just passed your way around until a guy from boston was open and then you made threes that that was it that was the game yeah love double dribble I loved it too. Google, Google. <laughs> same, it's got the same. It was the same guy. Same Everybody coming into the yep, stadium. Yep, yep. Shitty the graphics. Oh. Like my favorite. My favorite Those was halftime. Right time, Cutting edge oh, at yeah. the time, DP. Yeah. I remember <laughs> halftime was my favorite when they had the the cheerleaders were dancing and then the little mascot would come running by yes. and then just pop his head at the screen and then pop back and walk a little bit more. Totally. I, I love yes double dribble for the win that's my number 37 
Dave. My number 37 is, I think it's, well, I mean, it, it's it's on the previous generation of consoles, but it's also better. It's like the only game I've got that is on the current generation of consoles, and um, it's The Last of Us. Now, I don't know if that's any higher on anybody else's. Man, this game, is it, it's it's survival horror. I mean, and it, it, it cuts kind of close to home because a uh, virus has infected everybody and turned them all into a, a lot of people into flesh-eating zombies and, you know, that sort of thing. But the opening scene of this movie, if you're a father, that opening scene of that game where the dad loses his daughter is just a massive kick. You talk about gut punches earlier. That one just sticks with you the rest of the game. And, uh, you know, I mean, they've, they've done, I know they've got a sequel to it, I think that sort of thing. But I love the game. It, it's got that level of intensity to it and a great story, good mechanics, and it just keeps you engrossed the whole way through. So yeah, Last of Us. I like. I prefer the version on the PS4. The graphical upgrade is noticeable on that over the PS3. So, Last of Us gets number thirty-seven for me. That one, it was. I, I tried playing that one a little bit, but I, I kind of gave up on it early because it's it's a really tough one to play um, unless you're really into that type of genre and, and type of thing because it's weapons are scarce. You know, and you have to be very methodical with what you do. And if you have a gun, when you have like one bullet left, you know, you got to make sure you're going to use it properly and and use your elements and everything that's around you properly for that type of game. It was is very intense. Right. And they suck you in with that so that you feel like there's something on the line because, you know, you're already you're already emotionally invested in the game from the very first scene. And. Then, yeah, you're like, how do I get there? And I, I've got limited resources to do these sorts of things. You know, How do I best manage this level? And that sort of thing. So it does that just about as well as any game that we're probably going to talk about. So fantastic game. Uh, <clears throat> my number 37, I think it might be up higher on somebody else's list. It's also kind of a little bit of a serious thing. It's also from the Nintendo Entertainment System. It's Castlevania, mainly the uh, one of the latter ones you got some iteration of that higher yeah but uh, yeah like uh, it's a very specific version though so like if you want to talk about the series like i have no skin on it because i'm going to talk about a very specific game yeah and it was i think the game we're both thinking of is the playstation game right right yeah i was i just enjoyed it from i don't think i played one i think i played two and three i don't know if i played four but i just side scrolling the different you know you had the whip and all sorts of dark backgrounds and interesting Castle- music. Castlevania two, by the way, was like this weird outlier of the games because it wasn't a pure platformer. Like you went to towns and stuff and you had to decipher clues that made no goddamn sense to f- figure out how to beat the game. If I remember correctly, specific spot to get picked up by a tornado somewhere yeah. or or you had the or you had the ultimate nintendo cheat book from your yes. aunt from your aunt whose husband your uncle was a, a video game freak and she went ahead and copied every page of it and gave oh it to God. my mom for me yes yes if yes it's the only it's the only reason like i didn't it's the only reason i didn't play it's the only reason i played certain games because i really didn't play games like this but this one was right. so interesting and fun I mean, I loved I loved Castlevania games. Um, speaking of tough, tough, tough games to to win, yeah. and Konami being one of them, uh, even the level one boss, if you didn't have the right extra weapon, was a pain in the ass. That stupid bat. You need the axe. Use the axe. Hit it. Hit it with the axe. 
because it flew just right to hit the little bastard. Yeah, I mean, I love the Castlevania games. We'll talk about one later, but like the Nintendo, wasn't there one like, I don't remember what it's called, Circle of something, Circle of the Sun, Dra- Draculus? I don't remember. Fuck it. Go on, Tony. Don't worry about me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's 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 uh, spin the double play and bring it bring it back around here. Uh, my thirty six is something I doubt anybody else has, and it's one of my favorite games. I'm surprised I didn't put it up higher, but it's the Fight Night series from EA. Um, yeah. It's the whole boxing the whole boxing series from them. And now DP wishes he had it on his list for probably right now. Totally forgot uh, about that one. Yeah, it was so good. I don't remember what year I played it, but to me, the fun part was I could build my own guy and I could train and I could come up through the ranks. But as I did, if I was a heavyweight, I got to box Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier and George Foreman and all the real guys they had in the game, right? So if you're a boxing fan and you want to go through a game like that, the gameplay was fun. If you put it on regular, you could get through it and not, you know, you could be tested, but not pissed off trying to get through it and I'm, I'm really a big fan as you'll find out as we move on in these sports games of building a career so that that's really what i liked i, I love the whole hey this is me i was a boxer i got to fight all these great guys at this one time i think i think you'll find that's true for a lot of us i think there, i think there's some like-mindedness when it comes to sports games there oh yeah that's the best part is going through seasons or franchises or careers or what have you right Oh, my 36 then. Uh, this is interesting because Dan's kind of got a couple of cult classics on his list. Here's another one that was uh, very popular amongst a niche audience and then kind of later on gained w- much more widespread popularity and then they redid it in a, a dual pack with the another game that's really good. Uh, it's Shadow of the Colossus on the PlayStation 2. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this game was with Eco was the other game that this developer made. And uh, this game was just so different and so unique that you were trying to you were going to these colossi i guess these giant living creatures but each living creature was a level unto itself and you'd have to climb up all of the uh the creatures the colossi and do all this stuff to get to the top and then you'd move on to the next one very unique game i haven't seen anybody really do it that way but it it did achieve a lot of popularity later on they redid it and i think the people who did Shadow of the Colossus, then they ended up doing The Last Guardian, which is another game that we thought would never see the light of day, but it exists because I have it downstairs, and um, it didn't quite have the same feel, but they did really well with Shadow of the Colossus kind of like sucking you in and making you care about the characters and care about these other beings that you were interacting with, and these games are always like notorious for just uh, basically taking your heart out of your chest and stabbing it into you, stabbing it on the ground because it's like, you know you're going to lose your best friend or you're going to lose some creature that you really care about, and it's inevitable. It's like Thanos, it's inevitable. But uh, it's a unique game and a really, really excellent game. So uh, Shadow of the Colossus, number 36 for me. Very cool. Yeah, I um, I considered buying that game a couple of times. And it was one of those things, like, you'd be at the video game store, right? And you'd have, a, you know, we'll say GameStop, the Evil Empire video game stores. You'd be sitting there, you'd be holding two games, and it, it would it'd always be like, Shadow of Colossus and like this, you know, I'm the RPG guy, I guess. Oh, look, this Japanese sprite-based, turn-based RPG game. Ah, we'll put the Colossus one back. I want this one with the cutesy-looking characters. That was me all the time at the video game store. So, good sell, though. I like it. I, I think it's one of those that's available for download. And um, yeah, I may I may find myself downloading some video games 
<laughs> when that, this is all said done and this keeps up. Double pack with that in eco. Uh, that's a definite, definitely worth your purchase. Cool. So I'm looking at my last games on this list and I keep assuming that these are going to show up further up. So I'm going to assume that this is going to show up on somebody's further up, but it's the only game out of this franchise that I picked, uh, which was a surprise for some. And I shared this before. Uh, I only was in the Nintendo family up until the super Nintendo when PlayStation one hit, that was, that was my next gen console. So in the Nintendo family, what's the, the iconic character that's synonymous with Nintendo is Mario. And my lone, Mario game that I put on here and feel free to wave me off when I announce it is Super Mario 3. Higher. Yeah. I, higher. I completely assumed that it would be higher up on other people's list. So, so it's, Dan. It's Dan. To me. Number 36 for me is diving into one of the newest and more popular uh, genres and something I know you none of you guys have played and that's Half-Life Alex. It is for virtual reality and virtual reality alone right now. And I know it's probably early to put it on a top 50, but this game was insanely fun to play. It was, I think, kind of groundbreaking in what it could do and what showing off what VR can really do. It had a lot of different elements that you never saw before, really. If you have the kind of the Valve Index, I know there's there's a bunch of other ones out there, but I got the Valve Index not too long ago when they finally released them again. This game allows you to, it's all touch sensitive to your controllers and your hands where each finger can be controlled differently. And as you put your fingers on the controllers, your fingers in the game do the same thing. So you can use it to grip things, grab different things, throw things, whatever. And... If anybody's played the Half-Life series, I don't know if that's going to come up in anywhere of the other ones. It's it's There's other ones up on the list for me, too. Um, but this one was basically in between Half-Life 1 and Half-Life 2. And was the story of Alex Vance, which was Eli Vance's daughter. And goes through her story of going through against the, the Combine and, and the whole City 17. And just her story of basically getting you know her father rescued because he got kind of kidnapped in this one and was, was gone. Um, <clears throat> but it just, it, it brought to life these new elements that VR can really do for you. And the, <laughs> the goddamn head crabs in virtual reality Fuck are that. the scariest fucking things I have ever fucking seen. It you was... know, we don't need to know about your personal life here and <laughs> on, um, on bandwagon nerds. Um, this is a family show. <laughs> hey Dan, if I can dance, dance, Dan's a pretty normal West Midwesterner, to be honest with you. Dan, I, I just I just like it noted that I said this is a family show and we've had people say eat a dick more than once That's on true. the show. And none of you freaking blinked at all. That's right. None of you you were just like, Yeah, this is a family show. But head crabs, I'll do it to you. Dan, yeah, for totally. I, I mean I know what VR is, but for those of us who haven't played it but you know are interested, what do you need to play this game? So you you need a little bit of a higher end PC in order to really get the get the game for you, but um, it's basically you just have a virtual reality headset that you put on, and then you have two controllers in your hands, and so everything's done on the PC. I guess there's PlayStation Four also has one as well. I guess so PlayStation you could get it for PlayStation as well, and I've heard really good things about that one as well. But I play it through Steam VR and. It's just, it's amazing. Like everything's, you know, obviously 
you're in this virtual world. You can you look around and everything's in, around you everywhere. So imagine like you're playing a first person shooter while you're standing there holding the gun in your hand. It's it's crazy how accurate it is and how realistic it feels. Like when you're playing Half Life and you're walking through this hotel room and you see you know the mon- the same monsters that you see you know the zombies in Half Life you're seeing directly in front of you standing there and it's like fucking scary like how real it feels when you're standing there and doing something like that or you walk to a you walk to the ledge and you look down and like. You're, if you're scared of heights, you're terrified because it feels like you're really there. And you, as much as you try to convince yourself that there's just ground underneath you, it's hard to think that way. <laughs> and I still get terrified doing it. There's a ground. Yeah. There's a ground, Monty. <laughs> it's, yeah, you make like, it I sound get... like there's no ground. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That's funny, though. But I bet you... Here's the big thing. Here's the big question, right? We say that now, and I and I'm with you, Patrick and David. And we haven't done this though, right? No, I, I was, believe it. And, but DP and, and DP was telling me about playing a golf game too, and it was so awesome to play that. But like, here's the bigger question. Here's the bigger overall question: Is how long until this is the norm? How long until this is the new norm? This oh, is the system that you buy for seven ninety five ninety nine. Right. Right. Or whatever. You know, this is Ready Player One. Yeah. If you've seen the movie Ready Player One. Yep. This is we're we're getting there. This we're almost the o- there. This is the Oasis. This, yeah, this is the Oasis. And it's like it's scary how real it gets and how real it feels to do this kind of stuff. And they're they're getting there. They're really close. OK. All right. Moving so- on. Number 35 for me is going all the way back from where we started here back to the NES. And mine is DuckTales. No, that game was so hard. Oh, that game was so great. <laughs> oh, it was great, but it was really hard. Yeah, yeah. I think you I've could, played this. You could pogo stick on Scrooge McDuck's cane, man. Yeah, Scrooge McDuck pogo sticking or, or golf swinging on uh, at different things. It was just so fun. I, I think I've played it everywhere that I've been able to find it. I bought a Switch recently, and... They came up with the remastered version on the Switch, so I played. It. I bought it there and played it because it's just, I don't know, something about it is just so entertaining to play as Scrooge McDuck and rescuing, you know, Huey, Dewey, and Louie and having all those different uh, levels. And they had the one, Transylvania was one. Yep. I see you. Donald's not in the game. You're not, you're not Donald ducking it over there, are you, PC? I saw a pair of pants on, right? He's Winnie the Poohing it, DP. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> I use I I use that joke more than once. <laughs> but yeah, that, I mean that game was just so entertaining. Like I said, it's very very hard, very difficult. But just that side-scrolling platformer, it, it falls in line with a lot of those with like you know, Chippendales, Rescue Rangers, and all those ones where they converted to a video game that were just ridiculously difficult to play. Um, and they look just, so just like the cartoon, though. Like the graphics on those things for a Nintendo Entertainment System were really, really good. Yeah. All right. So does that bring me to my thirty-five? So Dan, you mentioned this in your arcade top um, top ten, but I didn't really play it in the arcade. I played it on the Super Nintendo, and that was the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles um, series on Super Nintendo port. And Tony's got it higher on his list, which I again I figured the rest of my list is going to be like this today. 
So, <laughs> no, I'm episode. dead serious. Next, next episode. I'm going to be very busy in the next, like, few episodes. I can see this. Well, there can, there can only be 10 each. No, I get you. There's going to be a so, lot of conversation in the next group of 10 with all the groups, with all the ones well, that we've had. And there's good as we get as we get to the tired notes, you know. Yep. Well, it's going to be funny because I think my top ten, you guys are going to be like, no, <laughs> no, I've never heard of this game. What the hell is this game? <laughs> I think the top. I think I think between forty. I think no, actually, I would say between thirty and eleven will have the most overlapping, and there will be barely any in the top ten. Right. Okay, so Dave, it's to you. You're thirty-five. My number thirty-five is. Uh, the game that kind of launched this entire series into being one of the most popular series in the world. And it's call of duty for modern warfare. And I, you know, Oh, Tony's got that higher. I, That's cool. Oh man. I, I don't have four higher. I have call of duty higher. You got the I have series two higher. You got the I series? have two higher. You want to do four now and two later. Do you want what do you want to do? Like modern warfare two or call of duty two? call of duty, modern warfare two. Let's just do it later. Because, I mean, you could talk about Call of Duty and how the series really evolved into what it started out as, which was World War II based. And then Modern Warfare, the Call of Duty for Modern Warfare really <laughs> flipped the script and brought it modern. So let's just save it and talk about it when we get to yours, because they are very really. I mean, the two games are virtually they're discontinuations of each other. All right. Well, I have to wait uh, two weeks for that. I just want to shout out to Medal of Honor, by the way. Yes. A great, uh, yeah, I mean, Medal of Honor and the original Call of Duty were fantastic World War II-based games. Uh, and arguably, Medal of Honor did the World War II stuff better than Call of Duty did. I thought that's, when the, I one I, that's the time I played. Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say, that's the one I played on the PC. I played Medal of Honor, and going through basically D-Day was just, that was oh, like dude. an unbelievable level. It was so crazy. Can you imagine like, doing how, that? How Do that in VR. Fuck that. Oh, <laughs> Just uh, yeah. If, and, no. and for people who are listening, there's certain people that there's certain people that couldn't do that kind of stuff. Right. Actually, you think about VR. Do you think a VR would be good for like war bets? No, no. It, it would trigger. Not. It would trigger PTSD. <laughs> to be honest with you, guys. you can play would, bowling. Yeah, maybe bowling that, would but, be good. But if you for people who didn't play Medal of Honor, if you've seen the opening scene of Saving Private Ryan, that is the first scene of Medal of Honor in your face. It's fucked, but mm. it's great. My 35, I know it's coming up later. It's up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, A, B, A, B, select, start. So we'll get to that down the road. Uh, fucking Nintendo's, one of Nintendo's various games ever. Um, there's no controversy that we'll be talking about that later. Uh, my number 34 <laughs> is uh, MLB The Show. Anybody? I don't, so, have, I don't have it, but go. It's... Everything you want if you're a baseball fan. If you're a rotisserie geek, you can do the minors, you can do the salary cap, you can do the whole farm system. And for me, once again, it's the whole create your character and run them up the minor leagues. Like, you literally start in A ball. You can pick where you want to play or you can end up, you know, your agent can ask you, is there anywhere you really want to play? And you can end up on a certain team. But there's no fast-tracking yourself. I think the quickest I was up into the majors was after the deadline for the contract. I think like like the guys get brought up at at the middle of May in the majors, right? So that they get the extra year towards before right, free agency. The, uh, yeah, the, and uh, that happens. And that happens control. in the game, right? And that happens in the game. So or expanding kind of rosters in September. Ex 
it's it's kind of like fight night where it's really real. You train and you do your thing and you're your own guy. But if you're a baseball fan, it's done really well. Uh, the online play against somebody else is actually freaking phenomenal. I know my cousin is is one of a really good online player. So as you watch all these things, I'm sitting here right now, guys, watching a game that's up higher on my list. FIFA uh, 20 is being played on ESPN in a stay and play cup uh, with all these national players around the world. So video gaming is one of the most prominent things right now, you know, in our lives. Uh, Dave, what's your 34? Well, I mean, before I go to 34, just the show, MLB, the show, I feel bad for people who don't have a PlayStation system because it is, That's, it's an exclusive. One of the few that it's why it's why I switched back to be honest with you. I'm sorry. I'll let you continue. But I was X, I was PS one, PS two, went to Xbox, came back to PS four because literally for this game. Sorry. Yeah. The show basically ran the MLB two K series right out of the market because there was no comparison. Graphically, there was no compare. I mean, I I take right. like the Nationals and run them through a season, that sort of thing on the show. The level of realism is just off the chart. Uh, the pitching where you can really start getting timing down and look at the different kind of pitches and start recognizing the spin on the ball to tell you what kind of pitch is coming at you. It's amazing. Every park from the A, double A, triple A to major league level, detail to detail. All the minor league ballparks are detailed out. Yeah, they, I mean, it's and, and, and each one plays differently. They all, like, I was playing the Rockies last night on a game, and, man, I was crushing the ball always to the deepest part of the park and couldn't get a home run. <laughs> it was just, it was a pain in the ass. But, uh, all right, anyway, onward we go. My number 34 is, um, and I know the series, I think the series is higher on Patrick's list, perhaps, but it's Assassin's Creed 2. Is that higher yeah. on I mean, we can we can say series it. is higher up on my list. We'll talk about Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Two is my favorite of the series. Okay, we'll talk about that later on then, and move on to your number thirty-four, Patrick, which I guarantee is higher up on all of your lists. Again, only one of this franchise that I chose. Uh, again, left Nintendo after the Super Nintendo, but that's Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past. Yes, it's higher. Yep. yep. Not not by much for me, but it is higher. <laughs> oh, okay. So it's on to me. Well, in my 34, I'll stick with the sports genre and I'll stick with baseball. And that's RBI baseball. Whoa. Yeah. Way. Honorable mention. Right. Oh, there you go. All right. Way higher on my list, sir. There you go. Well, good. Shout out to base. Shout out to bases loaded. Again. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. And I'll, uh, Meh. I'll, I'll swing it back around and I'll probably pass this on as well because my number 33 was uh, SimCity 2000. I know we talked SimCity last round, so. And I mentioned 2000 was my favorite, but we talked about SimCity in the last episode, so we can we can skip on past that one. All right, and I'm sure we'll skip on past the Nintendo port to NBA Jam. Yes, no? Maybe? Uh, yeah, NBA no? Jam is up, up higher. NBA Jam is up higher, yes, and Nintendo-wise. Right. All right. Wow, we're just moving right along, aren't we? We uh, are moving right along. My number 33 might be be higher on somebody's list it might not but it's the second mario based game that i've got on this segment of the show we're doing and it's super mario 64 for the nintendo 64 it's higher on dan's wow this episode's gonna be over before we know it you know this just means <laughs> that we're gonna have some long ass fucking episodes next episode four hours long <laughs> craig's gonna be confused with how short this episode is it's only an hour and a half so far right so it is to you patrick 
Uh, no, it's not. No, it's, it's to me. Tunny. Oh, it's a Tunny. It's to me. Sorry. So number 33, my number 33. And I'm wondering, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, it may be up higher. Mine is Super Mario Brothers. The original? Super Mario Brothers for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Well, I already said that I only have one Super Mario game on my list, and that was three. So this one's not, not me. High. This one's not on mine. But I think I think when you take the Mario Brother, I think three. I, I know we're going to talk about Super Mario Brothers three as a completely different game from Super Mario Brothers, and I know that for certain there's another Super Mario Brothers game for another console that comes right after this console that's really really as high as it could possibly be on somebody's list. <laughs> but for me. Super Mario Brothers was was just a fun game to like go ahead and get together with your friends and be like, hey, we haven't played this in a while. And you bring the Nintendo out and, hey, how fast can you get through this level? Uh, you can go until you die kind of thing, right? So the ultimate side-scroller, I mean, it's everything. It's the most recognizable game probably in history is Super Mario Brothers as far as a console game goes, maybe after Pong. Well, you think about it. When the NES launched, it was Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt. I mean, so it right. is the anchor store that launched prob- arguably the most popular system of all time. So it had to be great. And it was. I know Mario Brothers. I know Mario Brothers is out there and it's a completely different game. But like, I think Super Mario Brothers really is what brought Mario to mainstream. Oh, yeah, totally. One hundred percent. And I mean, and I think everybody know, you know, would do the same trick to where you talked about being able to play oh. Forever you go and you jump on the you jump on the turtle, and so you got all the one ups. So you got a hundred lives. Then you let him go, and then you just played till you you were almost out. Then you jumped on the was it the bullet the other one? There's two levels where you can do that, and you just you just jack yourself up. That's where warp zones were a thing. Uh, That song you sang it earlier in the show, like it's it's level two. Everybody, level two, ready? Yep, that the whole deal. Yeah, you're iconic. Definitely, isn't it iconic? Don't you think? All right, yeah, there you go. Thank you, Alanis. Should I bring it back around thirty-two? Right? Am I still? Yep, thirty-two. All right, Hitman. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I never played that game. Agent forty-seven. Absolutely love that game. You know, it was one of those games where if you weren't such a good shooter in those style of games, you could take your time and kind of sneak up on it, figure it out, right? And it was such a great premise where, once again, you're the hitman. You're the person. You're the guy living the life of you chose to kill people for a living, right? So, so many interesting storylines, so many different gameplays. I think I actually... DP, I know you played this game the same as I did. And I would call him up and be like, you beat it, right? What do I got to do? <laughs> so, Hitman, check it out. This is one where the, guy has, a bar- the oh. guy has a barcode on the back of his head, right? All right, they made he a does. movie. Right. Yes, they did. They did. My number 32 is actually very similar to my 37, which was The Last of Us. And it's uh, Dead Space for the PlayStation 3, which is a- another survival horror game but this one you're out in space and this one's even creepier i mean one of the creepiest games that that i've ever played with you you know you're walking down hallways and there's people laying there and you think they're just like lifeless corpses and then suddenly they pop up and start coming after you the game introduced a a concept of what was it strategic dismemberment 
the only way you could kill these things was to dismember them in a certain pattern, in a certain way, to make sure that they stayed down. It's one of the creepiest games I've ever played. Fantastic stuff. Um, love Dead Space. So it's number 32 for me. Very nice. My uh, my number 32 in the Let's Skip Patrick O'Dowd's Choices game that we're playing today is uh, a Tecmo game for the Nintendo Entertainment System, Ninja Gaiden. Nods, nope, but not on other people's lists. All right. This game, one, was, you talk about cinematics. This was the first game I remember having cut scenes that told stories that came along with it. So the opening of the game had a cinematic scene where Ryu Hayabusa's father has been murdered and he's trying to figure out who and why. And he runs about, it's a side-scrolling platformer, and you had different ninja abilities that you could you know, get as power-ups, but really you wanted one. There was one ability called Jump and Slash that was the best ability in the game. It turns you into this whirling dervish flip um, of a katana with a flip thing. It was awesome. And I, I was so, it was so great. It he could stick to walls and you, it was the first game where you could kind of like stick to walls like Spider-Man and you had to like jump up and go off of walls to get up to like higher levels or down things. Right. And it was a platformer that was really, really cruel. It would always have that dude that was like firing at you right in the middle of mid jump. And you had to time it just perfectly, or you were dead to rights every time. Such a good game it was so hard. And the, it was just, it was great. It told a great story. You got these, you got these great cinematics in between each one and love the game. What spent many an hour dying. Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> it was one of those games where you didn't want to step backwards either. Like if you went no. backwards just a little bit, everybody in, uh, that was coming after you before is back at it again, and it was so I hated annoying. That game, like yeah, like you think you 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 had to keep moving forward because if you went backwards, the bad guy came back, even if you killed him. And it was timed. That was the other thing is you're doing all the shit and you had a timer. <laughs> Fuck that game. So fun, but it was so hard. Unfair. It's a surprise. It made a favorites list. Oh, I love it. It's fun as hell but it was so it's like it was it was so hard so fun but it was so hard dan give me all yes you did oh boy hey oh all right 32 and 31 for me 32 i think we can we can skip because it's it's in the it's the nba jam series basically it was more specifically to nba hang time which was for the nintendo 64 but it's basically nba jam uh, just for the 64, they just called it different. So we can skip that one until we talk that series. Number 31 for me is a PlayStation exclusive as well. PlayStation 4 exclusive came out recently, and that was Spider-Man. I don't know if anybody's played that one. No, it, I, if there's one thing fatherhood has done to me, it is cut down on the number of video games I get to buy that I want to buy. Because I wanted that game so badly, and I still want that game. Yes, and you should still heard, play it. I heard it was excellent, and I know that it was extremely popular in a bundle for a long period of time. It's got a lot of because that's the one with like all the different suits and looks, and mm-hmm. like they they ripped it in Spider Man Homecoming or Far From Home. Like they, Far from home, yeah, yeah, like they use a suit that's a nod to the to the game. Yep, and they you know they introduced Miles Morales as well. You could play as him in this game um, in some. You know, certain little areas where they try and add in a different element than just swinging around as Spider-Man. You could play as him 
through little short bursts of kind of stealthy areas, but otherwise, if you played, you know, the Batman Arkham series or kind of the Tomb Raider a little bit, but more close to the Arkham series, this was basically a direct, you know, identical type of game if you enjoyed those. It used the same fighting style, the same way you can swing around and fly through the city and go to wherever you want to go. And it had little side missions that you could do and things like that. And yeah, had all sorts of different suits, Spider-Man suits that you could wear. It introduced all the different enemies rather than just, you know, you versus the Green Goblin. You had all the guys like from almost from the movies, like you saw Vulture and all everybody like that. It, it had all those elements on top of that, like an incredible story. Like it was one of the best stories I've ever watched. If you can, if you don't want to play the game and just, I'm sure you can Google the cinematics and just watch the, you know, the cinematics. I'm sure somebody put it together on YouTube, but the story alone is just so fantastic that I, you know, you can't wait for the sequel. So pretty much that there has to be a sequel. Awesome. I guess that brings it to my 31 then. Yes, sir. All right, so unless this is further up, I know Tony just mentioned it as he alluded to it, um, kind of like he did with his Excite Bike joke last week. My number 31, uh, up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start, Contra. Contra, no. God, what is wrong with you guys? Anyway, I, except for Tony. Tony's, Tony's on board. Tony, Tony's I'm on here. Board. I'm right in the, I'm in the neighborhood. So I'm in your front the, yard. Hey, can I have a the, burger, neighbor? Got a beer? So I brought a chair. I'm going to tell you all a story about how Greg DeMarco decided he was going to be friends with me. So when I moved out to Connecticut, I moved out to Connecticut because I got hired at the University of Connecticut as a residence hall director. And Greg was already there. He'd been there, I think, a year, maybe two. I'm not sure. But they, it was one of those things that when you when you came in, the day, the, the Sunday before training, they would always do like a, an informal, informal social sort of thing. And you could kind of just show up and wear whatever you want. And I was a big Hot Topic shopper at the time and would buy their like plain black T-shirts with with written phrases on them. And one of the shirts that I had was plain black with up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start done in the Nintendo controller signs right down to BA start. Now, Tony mentioned select. You only hit select if you were playing with a second player and you were tag teaming in Contra because Contra was one of those games where you were two people played at the same time. You were just running solo. You hit that code in and you got yourself 30 lives and three continues, which basically meant 90 lives all the way through. And if you were Dick playing with a friend, when you ran out of lives, you just stole your teammates' lives. You just kept in. <laughs> Tony knows what I'm talking about. But yeah, that game was way better at video games than I am. Right. <laughs> so the fascinating thing about that game that I that I I think was neat and was really kind of ahead of its time for what it was. And Tony, feel free to jump in. Was it was a side scroll and a platformer for most of the game, but then it had these levels that were inside bases where the and you lay down flipped it. Yeah. Yeah. It was and great. You, you lay down forward. and you're... yeah. Mm-hmm. And you and if you tried you're... to run forward too early, there were lasers and you would get zapped. And you could only take one hit. Um, when you died, it was the best. When you died, you did this like weird backflip thing, and it made this noise. It was so great. Now, Tony, gun of choice when you played Contra. God, I haven't played in forever, but I believe there was some kind of rapid machine gun thing where there you was, could almost there just, was, yep, there was yeah, the machine gun six. where you could just hold the button down. 
Yep, that's what I'm saying. And then that's for me because I'm a I'm a you know churn and burn kind of guy. So yeah. I was a big cheater. I had the NES Advantage, which had turbo buttons. Nice. So I didn't need rapid fire. So I went spread gun. Give me a spread gun with my rapid fire on, and just you could win that game in two lives, as long as you didn't miss platforms. It's a but, fantastic game. I mean, it's one of the casual. Shame on you for not having it on I your list. Had to make way it too cut hard. somewhere. Uh, but well, let's put it this way: game. The it's, biggest credit to this game is probably anybody who has owned a Nintendo has played this game. Right. What did you guys think of Super Contra? This kind of ser- spiritual well, successor to that. Well, I don't know about because Super C. It was made for the Nintendo as well. Like there was a there was it was on Nintendo. I mean, it's basically the same game. They changed the code and they didn't give you as many lives, which is bullshit. Um, right. The thing that I love, um, that game, the spread gun was even more important. Like that one, it really was what you needed to kind of break the game. Uh, the other thing about Konami games is any Konami game you bought, you punched in that code to see, cause depending on the game, it would give you something like it was so, nuts. My favorite on that one was Gradius three for the super Nintendo. If you ever played that, if you punch in the Konami code, that was the fun. The fun thing is you tell somebody, Hey, hit pause, punch in the Konami code. If you punched in up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BA start to unpause your ship would blow up. (laughs) So, but, but it would work if you hit up, up, down, down, LR, LR, BA start, then you would get, all the upgraded weapons and everything. So that's awesome. It was, it was my favorite. You watch the guy blow up and you just laugh at him. (laughs) The joys of programming. (laughs) So yeah, that was my number 31 and Tony, where was it on your list? It was like 37, 35, 35. So Dave, the finale on this episode, my number 31 is still probably (laughs) what's that, Tony? You called it the finale of the episode. Tony goes last. Oh, so. that's right. Sorry. Uh, a finale for me. Uh, but my number 31. It's not is, about you, Dave. It's always about me. <laughs> it's still probably my favorite racing game that's out there. And it's Gran Turismo 3 for the PlayStation 2. Man, this game, like when you look at the early Gran Turismo entries and then they brought it to the PlayStation 2, this thing just was jaw dropping. The graphics were like. Nothing you'd ever seen. The first time I'm driving somewhere and like the sun is shining off the car to the point that you actually get blinded and miss a turn completely. That was, I mean, I'd never seen anything like that. The game introduced real physics. It's like Ninja Gaiden. Love the game, but man, is it hard because you cannot take corners unless you're almost like really driving. They had all these circuits and trying to get, you know, licenses so you could compete in progressively harder circuits and all this sort of stuff. Uh, Just a major major step forward as far as racing games go still one of my favorite racing games of all time gran turismo 3 gets number 31 for me and now the finale is Mr. i think uh, tony i i think i got my promises mixed up we covered baseball stars last week in exchange right. for finishing the show this week with wolfenstein yes because wolfenstein 3d was one of the ones on my list as well so i I am the least uh, ranked nerd on this podcast as we speak of uh, being a nerd. And the most, yeah, well, compared to you nerd. guys, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I said on this podcast, okay? So very <laughs> much podcast. so. 
very much so a very solid fourth. Okay, you three can battle it out for one, two, and three, and and that's why I I I love doing this show so I can sit here and listen to you guys talk. So, Patrick, I, I think you're going to do this video game much more justice than I would by starting off talking about your experiences with it, and I can add on later. So I shared this story uh, on the last episode when I was in high school. Our industrial arts teacher, because he taught drafting as well as anything else, had very, very, very nice computers for the time. We're talking early 90s to mid 90s at his office. And he had uh, a bunch of games on there that he would allow students to play during the lunch hour. If you were fortunate enough to get there fast enough to get one of the I think there were four. So you had to get there fast enough to get one. And there were two games that everybody played on those computers. One of them was Tank Wars, which I highly encourage you all to look up Tank Wars. It's a 1992 game for the PC. Good times. Uh, The other was Wolfenstein 3D. And it was this new game that came out. And no, you, you just knew that the administration did not know that this video game was on the industrial arts teacher's computers because it was... It was revolutionary for the time. First person perspective shooter game where you're just dude with unidentified dude. He had the face and it was the precursor to doom. Everybody remembers doom. And I'm sure somebody's going to talk about doom at some point later on the show. Yep. But you're walking around, you're walking around in world war two killing Nazis. And you had two types of, there were three types of guns. Like you had knife, you had pistol, you had machine gun, and then you had the Gatling gun. And everybody just tried to get to the Gatling gun. And your goal was to get to the very end of the game to take on Hitler, who is in this giant tank mech armor thing. And I just the, the way that the game told you your health level as your face gets progressively more beat up and bloody, you grew to hate Doberman pinchers in that game. <laughs> um, there wasn't a God mode. Like later on in Doom, there'd be God mode and stuff and and those sorts of cheats. The only cheat that existed that was like God mode was there was a key combination you could hit to bring your life back to 100% while you were fighting. And so what you would do is, one, if you just wanted to prove you're a badass and you were taking on Hitler, you didn't use the cheat. uh, Mm -hmm. And you tried to find the the meat and the food and stuff that you could eat to to get your health back. But if if you were... In a tight pinch, you just hit that thing to bring your life back up to 100 and you play it. We played that game for hours in Mr. Hart's classroom at a little high school in middle of nowhere, Illinois. It, to me, it's, it's one of four PC games that I played specifically on the PC that are on my list. And it's it's the third, it's the second highest ranked one. So another one that you pretty much mentioned that this leads to is much higher up on my list that I also played on PC exclusively. And the maze is part of it, too, you know? I mean, knowing the rooms, knowing where you've been, walking around, I mean, figuring it out. It, it was something different, and I really enjoyed it, and I don't enjoy many shooter games. I know everybody's played it. One of the games that is in my top ten that I'll talk about prepared me for that perspective because the game, it was for those of you who are old-school RPG people that play games like Wizardry, um, Oh, God, I'm going to forget the name of it. Um, There's a bunch of, but they were all, before Dragon Warrior came along, they were all first person, and you would have to, like, map your way through labyrinths and shit to find your way around. And they were so 
challenging and difficult. And you had to do what you said there, Tony. You had to remember where you went. You had to, you could find yourself get caught walking around in circles all day. Ulti- it was Ultima. Um, Ultima used to be first person perspective. And those games made me really good at Wolfenstein 3D because I was able to not get lost. So good 31, man. Happy, happy for the trade off and, and getting a chance to pontificate on the joys of, uh, of Wolfenstein 3D. So there you have it, everybody. Week two of the video game project is in the books. Excellent list. I look forward to our six hour long, massive episode <laughs> when we get into our top 30 and 20s. 21 to 30 is going to be a long episode. Boy, boy howdy, did, did I get a lot of repeats on mine, and I can only assume that we're going to see more to come. To, to wrap up the show, to um, we are going to shift out of the nerdosphere a little bit because wrestling is kind of a nerdy thing um, as much as we want to act like it's not. We did lose one of the like cornerstones of most people's wrestling fandom in terms of just voices of the business in Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel passed away Thursday, uh, I do believe, was, was when that news broke. And, you know, I think everybody is going to share a little bit about it. I, um, you know, most people, when you think about Howard Finkel, you think of the phrase and new anytime somebody would, would be, um, would win a championship in the WWF and the WWE. But for the longest time, he was it in terms of a ring announcer in the WWF and in the WWE and was the, was the voice right there along with, for me, Heenan and Monsoon uh, as a kid growing up was Howard Finkel calling everybody in. And, um, you know, I think that for folks, like it was really interesting because I saw a couple of things kind of float around. I won't talk too much on the, on the side. I saw a couple of negative Nancy's out there that were talking about, you know, the WWE bullied this guy and was terrible to have. And now they're acting, and all sad that he was gone. Here's what's ridiculous about that statement before I move on. And there's a very nice picture. I think Tommy Dreamer shared it uh, where he was visiting Finkel um, at his assisted living facility. And there there is a square of paper and a sign that you can see in the upper left-hand corner that got blown up. And it was the only special treatment that he asked out of the assisted living facility. And that was that it be turned to channel 40-something or other at 8 o'clock Eastern time on Mondays because he wanted to watch Monday Night Raw. And that's all you need to know about how Howard Finkel felt about the WWF and the WWE and the life that he had there. Uh, He was every bit a part of that family as anybody else. And I I have not shed many tears over wrestlers and famous people in the business that have died. I can name on on my hand um, the number of ones that I've shed a tear over. And those are the Macho Man, Randy Savage. They are uh, Howard Finkel and Bobby Heenan. That's it. Those are the three that have got me and were just such a big part of my wrestling fandom. And I think there's only a couple of other names out there that'll get me the same way. Uh, And it was, you know, it was really sad, you know, particularly following the bad day that was Wednesday in the WWE uh, to then have that gut punch kind of followed the kick in the nuts that was all those releases and so happy trails uh think guys feel free i don't care who jumps in first give us some thoughts from from all of you about about howard finkel i think for me um i want to share it on on our dwi podcast that 
you know, when you go back and you start, you know, once, once it happened and everything, I, you know, started to Google a little bit and watch a couple of videos and things. And there was one with, uh, when he did the announcement for CM Punk, when he was going against Del Rio, um, and, and they, he brought back Howard Finkel to announce him for one of his matches and Booker T was on commentary. And I thought he, he put it the, you know, really good way and saying, when I came to WWF, when I was finally, you know, moved on and came into WWF, the one thing I wanted to have done is I wanted Howard Finkel to call my name and, and say my name out, you know, as an announcement, because that's when you know you made it, you know, and it was just that that just sums it up. Right. Howard Finkel was the voice of WWF. And when you got your name announced by Howard Finkel, that means you made it you know, in the world of wrestling, especially in WWF. So for me, that was, that just really summed up, you know, Howard Finkel and his iconic role in the history of wrestling. He was the first WWF employee. He named WrestleMania. He's the best in-ring announcer of all time. Yeah. I mean, what you just said, I, I he was uh, synonymous with WWF, made all, all the big, all the big title changes that he called. I mean, and adding that, no, you know, that whole thing. I mean, I, I posted something on, on uh, Attitude of Aggression's Twitter page that one of my best memories is when the match between Ultimate Warrior and Honky Tonk, man, because, man, we hated Honky Tonk in 88. He'd been champion for so fucking long that you were literally desperate for somebody to dethrone him. And, you know, Warrior hits that ring. And I love, like, Billy Graham, like, Howard Finkel, the ring announcer, doesn't know who the opponent is. And then Warrior hits the ring, and Howard barely gets out of the ring before Warrior destroys him, drops his microphone in the ring. But when he announced the Warrior as the new Intercontinental Champion amidst the madness that was Madison Square Garden, it, it, became, it added a level of realism, like, finally, this bastard's reign is over, and now we can move on. They don't do long-term booking like that anymore. That was one of the greatest title changes of all time just because of what they'd done with Honky Tonk. But Howard's announcement of that really solidified that. You know, he called all the big changes. So, yeah, I mean, he's uh, it's a tremendous loss. I know he'd been struggling with health for a while. So, right. But, you know, yeah, I mean, he's synonymous with WWF. Not so much WWE, but WWF, really. And uh, it's a tremendous loss. He will be very much missed. Two things to check out uh, if you if you really want to get get a good idea of just how much Fink meant to people. One, watch the segment that WWE did on SmackDown in front of SmackDown, which those are always nice and well done. Watch Jonathan Coachman's tribute uh, to him that he put on Twitter because uh, they were they were it was I was surprised at one how close they were. Um, but he he gave a great and it's only about a minute long but he gave a great tribute to think that that I think uh, is worth a watch and worth the time to check out and I think on that note fellows we're gonna call it an episode uh good work why don't we uh, we'll go around the horn we'll start with Dave today Dave why don't you tell everybody where to find you on the social media the Twitters the Facebooks the etc the etc you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression, and on Twitter at Attitude A-G-G. Tony. Uh, you can find me at PC Tony. You can find that guy over there in his basement, the Thunderdome, with all them cool things behind him. Yeah, it, it's him. It's at, it's me, DPP. Uh, check out at Podcast DWI. Check out at Pod is War. Uh, bandwagon Nerds, thechairshot.com. 
for us in T's forward slash the chairshot.com DP. You can uh, add DWI podcast on Facebook as well. Facebook.com slash DWI podcast. And like PC said, I'm all over the worldwide social media interwebs at it's me DPP. And you can find me on Twitter at wrestling realist. That is at W R E S T L N G R E A L I S T. You can listen to me here. This show drops every Tuesday on the chairshot.com. And you can also hear me on the chairshot radio, which airs on Wednesdays on the chairshot.com. Those podcasts generally drop around noon or whenever Greg gets the file next week, guys, we're going to continue to do the video game project we're going into week three as these episodes will get longer but next week for the first time in the history of the show we're gonna have a guest that is not a part of the chair shot radio family and i'm pretty excited about this i got to call in uh, an old friend uh who actually works in the video game industry works for sony uh and so we're gonna talk to my good friend morgan uh she's been working there for a couple of years uh, and she's just going to share with us a little bit about her experience, what she does, how it's been, what it's like out there. Uh, she did want to make it very clear that she is under a pretty strict non-disclosure agreement. So don't be asking her about upcoming video games. Oh, she uh, sucks. DP can't got... make it anymore. Specs on well, the PS5. Specs oh, on the PS5. Wa- right. Can't ask any questions like that. I don't think she could answer them anyway. But uh, I'm really excited about this to have a guest uh, for the roundtable. I figure uh, she'll she'll come in a little bit during the first segment, have a little conversation with us, something a little bit different to look forward to. Just a female involved in the video game industry appearing on this show instantly legitimizes this us. For, Rick, Rick first woman us, in the Rick, history of the show on no, the show. Other other than my wife and my niece, they she do doesn't not. count. She's neutral. Oh, They're neutral. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, Rick, stay away. We don't need Rick next week. We got the girls. <laughs> Who needs Rick? We got the Who we need? got the round table. We, Rick, we we're got, off next week. Yeah. There you go. Anyway, and if I got and if I got your job wrong, Morgan, uh, you can correct me next week. Anyway, so great episode. Look forward to catching that interview next week with the round table us fellas here, as well as video game project week three. This has been Bandwagon Nerds. Now get out of the basement and play some video games. Wash your damn hands. all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.